good, y'all. You know, um, if you ever just look at the screen or look in your bulletin, the sermon always has a title, and whoever, whoever brings it up, nobody, right? Well, I always have a subtitle in my sermons, and it's usually something humorous I'm thinking about all week. Uh, but this week, the subtitle was Anti-Humorous, and I couldn't get it out of my mind all week long, and it's worth sharing, or the secondary, or the, the AKA title, the, uh, uh, you know, also known as title. Eucharisteo Pantote Hooper Pass. Now look at your neighbor and just tell him what's titled. No? Huh? Did you catch it? Did you guys catch that? No, I'm not speaking in tongues, and so there won't be a translation just yet. Uh, but there will be at some point. You heard me right, folks. Eucharisteo Pantote Hooper Pass. If you didn't catch it the first time, maybe you did it the second time. Here's why I share that. Because when I share that a little bit later on in English, when you hear it in English, you're going to say, that can't be right. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it says what it says. Now, I'm one of those guys that says a lot of crazy stuff, and I'll look at people sometimes and say, I say what I say. I'm telling y'all, this says what it says. And yes, I've researched it in the original language, and guess what? In Greek, it also says what it says. Y'all are catching on. So we're not left to try to figure out if this has been translated well. We're left figuring out how to translate it into action. And that's a challenge for us. So when you hear it in English, and your spirit is sort of, mm, I don't know if that's accurate. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Eucharisteo, Pantote. Amen? Somebody said, I don't know if I can amen that. Yeah, I don't know what you said. You can say it. You can say amen. Trust me. Let me go ahead and read the passage and then set some context. And I want to warn you, I'm going to take longer to set the context than to bring the, the, the passage home. Kelly, that's for you. Okay. Ephesians chapter number 5, beginning at verse 15, and really I'm going to concentrate very heavily on verse number 20. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. May God indeed add his blessing to the reading of his word. This passage is really in part of a greater passage that's talking about holy living. And usually if you hear holy living, you immediately associate it one of two ways. You say, oh, that's, that's, that's the nature of God. That's Ooh, he's way different than us. I could never be that sort of holy. Or, or you hear it as that unattainable living. Like, I'm supposed to be holy, but, man, I can't do that. I can't do that holy stuff. What if we thought about this, this exhortation to holy living in the sense that we're called out people? If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be thinking, speaking, interacting, engaging. Yes, living differently than the rest of the world. Let me bring that down on the sidewalk, okay? Um, you know, everybody grows up in families that have these unique little things, you know? All of you do it. 
Uh, and you grow up thinking everybody else's family is weird and yours is normal. Uh, newsflash, everyone's family's weird. Yours is just your normal, right? Well, we grew up in uh, that kind of family where it was no need, just it wasn't any need to go, to go ask our dad for money. You know, just don't even do that. So that, you know, you might be out at the, at the lake or at the ball field or something, you hear the ice cream, ice cream truck coming. All right, it was two things there was no need for you to do. There was no need for you to run over to the ice cream truck. There's no need to ask to run over to the ice cream truck. There was no need to ask for money to go to the ice cream truck. And so that might seem strange, but it didn't to us. You know, by the time I come along, I had not only my parents training me, but guess who else? My brothers, right? Or maybe if you, you know, uh, maybe, maybe this illustration. Uh, my, my, my dad's mom was this really put-together lady. Like her outfits were always on point. Uh, not fancy. She just always was straight, clean. Uh, she's one of those ladies that would put on a work jacket, short sleeve work jacket to work around the house, one of those types. She had really curly hair like Katie, or Katie's got it like her, and she always kept it really short. She didn't like fooling with it. And she's one of those types, you know. Everything had a place. There's a place for everything. She mopped every day with vinegar water. She's one of those kind of people, you know. She was also one of those kind of people that insisted that you not answer her with things like, yeah, or what? That was a good way. She had the hardest knuckles in the history of humankind. And she could pop you on the head just, just, just like that with her knuckle. And you wondered, was my head still here? You know? Um, and so, you know, you say, that's crazy. It was just, it was just our life. It was just our life. You, don't, you, you didn't go in her house with your shoes on? Like, you know, and you get to the point, you don't even think about it. You know? You just know you don't do that. What if we could understand holiness as God saying, I've got some stuff that are going to be peculiar to my kids. And it's going to be really important that you learn to walk with me as your father, to learn to walk with the church as your mother, and to learn to walk with your brothers and sisters who are going to be bringing you up in these things that make you really different. Because you're just my kid. We're different. That's this sort of stuff we're talking about. That's this whole for lack of better words at the moment, list of things he said to do. You know, he, he gave a bunch of them. He, you know, look carefully how you walk. Don't, don't, don't walk around like everyone else. My big contention is what you see on the screen. Is that if we're going to have a life of gratitude, where it really comes from is it flows out naturally. It naturally flows out of holy living and abiding connection with the Lord. That's just where it comes from. You don't have to stir it up. If holy living is the commitment and abiding with the Father is the commitment. So tonight, let me set the stage as best I can in a few short moments and then give you a few thoughts on gratitude and how, how it how it's, uh, becomes a habit, an attitude, um, and, and I think it can really impact the way we live. Let me set some framing ideas. Framing idea number one, whatever fills us controls us. You ever thought about that? If you're full of worry, then guess what? You're controlled by worry. If you're filled with anger, guess what? You're controlled by anger. If, if, if I could go under the little magic pulpit cabinet here, you know, and uh, if I could go under here and pull out a bottle of Crown Royal, which was my drink when I was a drunk, if I pulled it out and I popped the top and just threw the top away, threw it over to Andrew, and I guzzled the entire fifth. 
Give me 12 to 15 minutes. If I could hold it down, if I could keep it down, then I would, I would in the minimum start slurring. I would go back to stuttering like I did when I was a kid because uh, all the well-trained tools I have to hold back the stutter would be smashed. I would probably become more wobbly than I already am. Uh, earlier, I tripped over my own feet and, and literally grabbed Casey to keep from falling over. You know, it wouldn't have worked if I drank this whole bottle of liquor. It just wouldn't work, right? Because I'd be full of something that was altering. And if it's altering, it's controlling. This passage, what's really critical to understand is whatever feels you controls you. So he says, hey, don't be controlled by wine. Fair enough. But be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, these days, I tend to stay out of arguments, and I tend to stay out of fights. When I was, when I, was I used to get drunk every night, every single night. I didn't even try to stay out of arguments or fights. It was like zero effort involved. I just did it. So that's a big framing idea here. Whatever feels you controls you. Now, let's pause and ask a really disturbing question. What's been controlling you lately? I think everywhere I've been going lately, I've been running into people who are really on edge. Friday night, we had a meeting in Danville and went to this restaurant. Kara and I went together and, and uh, we got there and you know, had the table ready and we're, we're, we're waiting for these you know, important guests to come to this meeting and, and some guy gets angry. So we're told, we're told this later. He gets angry because they're making him wear a mask, and he pulls the, the fire thing. And uh, if you want to see what an awful noise it was, Kara recorded on her phone. Um, show, just let them listen. Don't show them my face what I was doing. That's scary. And, uh, and uh, you know, we were sitting there, and we were like, you know, somebody go push the, you know, the button or whatever you do. Turns out, you know, Peyton, you'll find this interesting. They had to call the fire department. They couldn't turn it off. The fire department had to turn it off. And they, they came there with, you know, lights and trucks and all this stuff and then took their granny old cotton-picking time, Peyton. Um, I don't care. Talk to, you know all the firemen everywhere because you talk to them. And it was just awful, and they turned it off, you know. And, and I just thought, you know, number one, my appetizers are getting cold. That was important. Um, two... Wow, what kind of, I mean, seriously, what kind of edge you got to be on that someone saying you have to wear a mask to come in makes you do that? And honestly, the more I thought about it, Kara, the more I felt sorry for the guy. Really, just, wh where are you? What's, what's controlling that guy that this is what's coming out, right? Maybe anxiety, fear, worry. Maybe literally, maybe literally you can identify with the struggle I talked about in my life. I, I was controlled by alcoholism for a while. I was controlled by anger. You know, put one and one together, right? Do y'all realize what a bad combination drunkenness and anger are? That's what we call where I'm from, terrible. Terrible. Worser than terrible. That's something we have to understand before we proceed. So if it's really critical to be filled with the Spirit, what are some evidences of what a Spirit-led life looks like? He gives them to you right here in the passage. He lays out three of them, two sweet. Let me give them to you, one, three, and two. He, they're just like this. He says, uh, you know, uh, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be filled with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. 
And then one natural byproduct of that is you'll go around addressing one another in psalms. And in songs and spiritual songs. Isn't that cool? You'll go around with a tune that will counsel others, bring others along in worship, but it'll also flow from a genuine heart because that's what the Spirit's doing. He's working in your heart. And you know what He's really doing is the Spirit and the Father have perfect unhindered fellowship. When He comes in us, He's calling up to the Father. I've always liked that old hymn. I know we have a couple first-time guests. You'll have to forgive me. Everyone else is used to this ridiculousness. But the old hymn. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow. Anybody know the words next? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What does it say? Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. What if, what if, what if we could even allow the Spirit to keep us walking around with a tune out to our brothers and sisters and a tune up to the Lord? Singing doesn't become an activity we do when we hear someone playing it we like. It becomes an activity we do because someone who likes himself is singing in us. That's what spirit-filledness looks like. Third, let's go to three, one, three. One, three is uh, submitting to one another. Now, somebody already went, uh-uh, no, nah, preacher, mm-mm. You know, Joe Biden won the election. I ain't submitting to nobody. They've been talking junk for years. I'm going to talk junk for years. Somebody's got that spirit. Somebody's got that spirit. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'll listen to you when it's convenient. I'll pay attention to the things in the bulletin that I like. I'll pay attention to the stuff in the Scripture that suits my feelings. All right, every, everybody, everybody, everybody do this. Come on, work with me. All right, what's that symbol for? Time out. All right, everybody pat yourself on. Just pat yourself. If you're with some of your kinfolk, something, you can get them a little pat. Calm, just tell them, calm down. In, in case they don't understand in this language, tell them, calm, 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 calm. Just tell them, go ahead. They need it. Mary Lou, tell somebody now. That's Spanish, Mary Lou. Calm down. What if we thought about it like this? What if we thought about it? If I'm spirit-filled and your spirit feels, then what we're really doing is submitting to the opportunity that God wants to deliver something to you through one of his children. Like you just take, for example, I could, you know, I could, I could take Grace. Grace is, uh, uh, she's something, something years old. I think 20. Are you 20 yet, Grace? Okay, almost 20, Right? And I could just sort of have that idea, well, she's just a, a dumb kid. What does she know? I could, I could think about, you know, that Grace. She's the blondest brunette I know. I could take that sort of worldly attitude. Or I could say, Grace is my sister, bought under the same blood as I am, redeemed by the same Father, filled with the same Spirit. And I could submit to the fact that the Father could use grace in my life. I could disregard those things that are unique to grace just in the regard of what's, you know, unique to God. Now, can you take that a little bit different? Submitting to one another. Casey? Casey's tall, and he went to Carolina. I could forget all of that. He's tall. He's up there where you can't breathe real good. 
And he went to Carolina where you don't think real good. Christina said amen, you know. <laughs> but, you know, her too. Dead, dead whoopee, in case y'all didn't know. Shots fired. Okay, anyway. But what's awesome about them is that the Holy Ghost is in them. Do you see what spirit, spirit field changes stuff? You don't walk in this place and say, let me go listen to the smooth talkers. You say, I'm going to listen to the spirit field people because God's got something from them. And I can see that he could use a brother or sister that's younger, a brother or sister with a radically different past than me, a brother or sister that doesn't have any of the hobbies I have. They have the Holy Ghost. I'm going to submit to this spirit field command that the body is sharing some things, someone. And thirdly, and with the stage really set now, we're told to Eucharisteo Pantote Huperpa. And it reads like it reads, church. Somebody say amen. Somebody ain't going to like it. When it says giving thanks, when? Always. Uh, for what? Mm-hmm. Say it again. For everything. Somebody's already, you don't know my life. I can't give thanks for everything. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm wrestling with this too. I'm wrestling with this too. But the stage is set, a spirit-filled life that leads us to holy living. I mean, you know, we're, we're God's kids. And as God's kids, we're acting different than the devil's kids. Somebody say amen. Well, we ought to be. That's one of the problems, ain't it? You can't tell the Lord's children from these uh, devils somewhere sometimes. But we're supposed to be, Amen. In abiding fellowship with the Father, there's things that, Carson, you got things God wants you to give me, brother. And, 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 and I've got things God wants me to give you. And it's really just him calling to himself, calling from, 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 from me into you and from himself to himself. That's how the Spirit works. Isn't that interesting? Suddenly, that person who says, I can't, you go, wait a minute now. Hold on, brother. Hold on, sister. You, you might not can, but have you considered whether the Lord could? It's interesting, right? So now I have 25 thoughts. <laughs> now that if I just tell you I have five, you don't feel so nervous. Okay. Five thoughts real quick. Number one, first we see again, just like in 1 Thessalonians, chapter number five, verse 18 that we dealt with last week, this is a command. Giving thanks is commanded. <sighs> Who's commanded it? God. A lot of times that we won't receive this command is really an indication that we don't like the commander. At 15 years old, I realized that the Christian life made the most sense. I just didn't like God. I, I'll be honest. I, I was like, okay, so that, that Christian God, no, he's, he is no fun. I don't like him. The other side of it is a lot of times we're really wrestling with whether we can trust God. Can I give thanks for everything right now? Can I trust him that all of this is going to stew together and work out right? Now, if you're from around here, it's highly likely you've made a Brunswick stew at some point, haven't you? You ever notice before you pour the tomatoes in how gross it looks? I mean, it looks gray. You know, if you were a doctor, you would say, you're passing away. You don't look so well, right? And you pour them tomatoes and you go, oh, you've got some rosiness in your cheeks. And it's really interesting, if you just, you just keep putting the stuff in and keep stirring, when you get done, you have a bowl of magnificent-tasting, throw-up-looking food. I'm not wrong. I may be gross, but I'm not wrong. 
or as Ravi Zacharias more eloquently put it, the grand weaver. The grand weaver is working to make something really beautiful, and all we usually can see is the ugly backside of it. This is a command, and we, we can trust our Father. Secondly, we're to always be giving thanks, always. We might have to wrestle with this. Let me see if I can illustrate it from Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry was once robbed. And that night, he wrote in his diary four things. Listen to this. I'm going to read it verbatim. He says, let me first be thankful because I've never been robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. Fourth, because it was I who was robbed, it was not I who robbed. Isn't that an amazing perspective? See, me, I'm typically walking around in the flesh. I'd have been like, first diary entry, if I'd have had my pistol. See, the pursuit of thankfulness often, it doesn't just come with a shift of focus. It comes with a partnership with the Holy Spirit that's shifting focus. In other words, it's not just a mental exercise. It's a relationship. If you're anything like me, you're prone to grumbling. You remember that old hymn, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the one I love. I could plug in the words, prone to complain, Lord, you hear it. Prone to fuss about everything around me. I, you know, my, when I'm driving, what's my favorite word when I'm driving, family? Dingbat. If they, if, they, if they go by me too fast, they're a dingbat. If they're driving too slow in front of me, they're a dingbat. If they don't put on a signal, they're a dingbat. If they put on a signal and ride too far before they actually turn, anything they're doing that I don't like, guess what they are? Sometimes I, they're not even bothering me for my sake. They bother me for other people's sake. And I say, what is this dingbat doing? Went into Lowe's yesterday. It's one of these squatting down pick-em-up trucks. Why do they call it pick-up if it's squatting down? And he was taking up three spaces. I said, boy, if you can see over the dashboard, you'd park that truck right. And you guessed it. I said, dingbat. You know what it reveals? That when I'm operating my vehicle, I want the whole world to go along by my standards. And a lot of us wouldn't voice it, but that's how we're walking with the Lord. We just walk around fussing all the time because everything ain't the way we like it. We're sort of like, uh, you know, what was her name, Goldilocks? This porridge is too hot. This porridge is too cold. This bed is too soft. This bed is too hard. And if we don't find, if we don't find everything just right, we're unsettled. Giving thanks shifts all that. You say, how can I give thanks when I have nothing to give thanks for? That's that in Christ part. If you have nothing else but you're in Christ, you have everything that you have in Christ. You could just start a list, and it could go on for a while. You can always thank Christ for the new birth. You've been born from above. You've been pardoned from sin. You've been released from the grip of Satan. In Christ, we have, we have a participation in the covenant of God. In Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. In Christ, we are fellow heirs with Jesus. The list goes on and on. If you got nothing else, you got Jesus. Somebody say amen. Thirdly, there's something that blocks gratitude, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it is. It's a grumbling spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling. 
I usually read this verse like this. Do all things with grumbling. And I go, but, hmm, maybe I should break out the, the, the Greek on that. You know why? Because it says what it says. Do all things without grumbling. Some of you guys in here are young parents. Uh, I resolved early in our parenting that I would not keep diaper score. I actually hate it when young parents do that, you know. I did it last time in short term. Just don't do that. Just don't. It's not helpful. But this was my, you know, my diaper verse. You know how you have a life verse? This was my diaper verse. I would preach it to myself. Do all things without grumbling. Do all things without grumbling. Do it. And then you tear that little Velcro and that diaper open up and you go, oh, perhaps a bit of grumbling would be fine right here, right now. Well, a lot of us feel like all of our life is changing somebody else's diaper and, and it's hard to just resist the grumbling. This is just plenty to grumble about. I could tell you. He just hears that Velcro. <laughs> That's a little too much, Lord. <laughs> okay. I, mm. Fourthly, somebody might say, how is it possible to obey this command? I just I put that in there to give you this simple reminder. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to partner with you, to call your mind to higher things to remind you that all things are working together for good, to remind you that no matter if the world is doing it for evil, that your God can turn it for good. You're just going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the church. You're going to need your brothers and sisters. How can you, how is this possible? You're going to need community and you're going to need surrender. And by what method do we give thanks? It's right there in the passage. I, I, I really, you know, I really need to press on and hurry up and end. But, um, it's right there in the passage. It's just right there. First of all, you give thanks to the Father. You give thanks by the Spirit, and you give thanks because of the Son. I want to tell you guys a story, and I want to give you guys a quote from Adrian Rogers, and I want to, I want to move toward this beautiful conclusion that God has given us through Andrew tonight. It's a true story. Um, this is going to be one of the things you're not going to want to hear a preacher admit, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. One of my favorite bands growing up, I mean, they're the band that hooked me on rock and roll. This band called ACDC. I might have been three or four or five years old. One of my older brothers was playing uh, uh, 74 Jailbreak. You know, I'm, I'm just a little kid dancing around, Jailbreak, you know, and, and I was hooked. I was in. Even when the, I, I thought, I was one of those guys when I heard the lead singer died. Bon Scott died. I, oh, he's dead. He'll never be the same. And then Brian Johnson came on the scene. And I was like, they're back. The Back in Black album changed my life. I'll never forget. I just wanted to wear black clothes. It's got nothing to do with that. It just felt like that's what I was supposed to do. Fast forward a few years, and I'm a teenager. And by then, I mean, you know, to me, the best band in the world is Leonard Skinner and ACDC. And I'm, I'm going off to Anthrax shows and Megadeth. I'm just, just all up in it. But the opportunity comes to go to see ACDC live in Roanoke, Virginia. And they got this deal you can buy a backstage pass. And at the time, I was working at Crown Crafts, and I was making like three-something an hour. And it was the, the backstage pass and the ticket was more than a week's pay. I said, I'm going to do this thing, buddy. They sent this thing to me in the mail. Now, this is so common now. I got an Avet Brothers thing in the mail the other day. But that happens all the time now. This was, blew my mind then. It was a lanyard. 
and it was a thing on it that gave me credentials to go backstage. I was so excited. I, I wore it for a couple of days in advance. I'm not kidding. Well, the day of the concert, I already planned to skip school, dry to roll a note, and I put this thing on. You know, I got it on. It was kind of a cold day. The concert was in the winter, and I'm going up toward the mountains. I said, whoo, better put my, take my sweater, put my sweater on, and if you went to school with me or if you see any of my yearbook pictures, I always wore this big black biker's jacket all the time. And so I park where they tell me to park. I walk up to this door. I go to the door. And the guy goes, can I help you? And I do this number right here. And he goes, okay, so what? And I look down, and I didn't have it. That's exactly what I said. And then all of a sudden, I had one of those epiphanies. It's under my sweater. I fish it out of there. And I let it fall down, and then I go, yes, come on in. You see, what had happened is I had covered up my credentials. You know all the anxiety we're going on these days, the fear, the worry. We're sick of all the restrictions. We're tired of dealing with people on edge. We're, we're tired of turning around and going back to our car and getting a mask when we forget it every 15 minutes, and we're uncertain about where our country's going. I, I mean, I don't care where you fall in the election. I'm just saying everybody's uncertain. Every, sides, both sides are, are worried and concerned and wore out. Well, you know what that is? That's the layers getting on top of your credentials. And here's what Jesus wants to do tonight. Believer in your life, he wants to peel back that stuff and remind you whose you are and through him what you have. You have a great and precious salvation through Jesus Christ. And it is worth being thankful for. It's worth being thankful for. Adrian Rogers said this. Let me just read it verbatim. Begin quote, and I'll read it all the way to the end. He said this. There are basically four levels of life. The first is represented by people who are constantly complaining and grumbling. They brighten up a room just by leaving it. The second includes people who just live lives of ingratitude. They don't complain but they never thank God for his obvious blessings. That's a little better, but not much. Then there are people who thank God for obvious blessings. When something good happens, they're grateful. That's a better level. But let me tell you what the highest level is. It is to be grateful for all things at all times. Now, folks, when you get to that place, then you have learned the secret of joy. We really do have to wrestle with this verse. We really do. Eucharisteo pantote hupopas. It says what it says. It says exactly what it says. Giving thanks. How much, church? For what? Here's the fundamental issue that some of us are facing. If you've never been in Christ, then you can't be thankful for what you have in Christ. Well, good news, though. God might have drawn you into this space, whether online or in this room, just to tell you that he says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Rest from what? From the fear of damnation. From the seriousness of God's wrath. Rest from the enemy dogging your soul. Rest from the penalty of death. So much rest. Jesus says, if you believe, if you believe in that name and receive him, if you believe in Jesus and receive him, let him be the Lord of your life. 
believe that his blood's for you, the Bible says you'll be adopted. You'll be sons and daughters of God. Isn't that beautiful? If you've ever been homeless, even for 15 minutes, if you ever felt rejected by your family, you know what it feels like to be uncertain. He says, I want to bring you into my family, bring you into my house. He says, if you believe in your heart, that's the city of your affections, and confess with your mouth, that's the place where your thoughts and your affections come together. And, and, and in, in, in one, they say what you really believe in, and, and care about. If you will, if you will, believe on Christ and submit to him, this is what the Bible says, Romans chapter 10, you will be saved. Isn't that awesome? And if you're saved, you share everything that God's going to give to the Son. And if you share everything God gives to the Son, even if your life is total wreck right now, you've got Jesus, and you've got something to be thankful for. Then we wrestle out of that arena of grumbling and into the arena of living gratitude. And some of us, I'm one of them, I've been wrestling at this for 20-some years, and I'm still wrestling. But oh no, he never lets go. Believers, how many layers of stuff have covered up your credentials? Some of you just need to remember tonight whose you are. What a great night. We're going to do it in a moment. We're going to come to the cup. We're going to come to the bread. This is why we're here, because we share Jesus together. Andrew and Catherine are going to lead us in a fantastically beautiful song with the sole intention to prepare our heart to take the Lord's Supper. I pray we'll let him peel back some layers and turn our hearts towards thankfulness. Father, thank you for your kindness, your goodness. Thank you that in Jesus, in Jesus, we can, like prodigal children who never had an inheritance, Come to a house of him who had been a stranger and be treated as a son. How amazing. Wherever you find each soul tonight, you minister to them in that very individual way like only you can. Call us to yourself, back to yourself, closer to yourself. Meet every individual right where they are and turn our hearts up to you. In Christ we pray. Amen.